Hello, welcome to the Relevant Faith Podcast. My name is Frank Mistretta, and on this podcast, Pastor Troy Wallace and I have Bible-focused, Jesus-centered discussions about what it looks like to live as a Christian in today's culture. If you have any feedback, want to ask a question, have a topic you would like us to talk about, or just want to be on the show, you can email us at relevantfaithpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out Crosspoint Adventist Church on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Adventist and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash crosspointadven. That's A-D-V-E-N. Be sure to watch the Crosspoint Worship Service live stream at our website at crosspointadventist.com Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Relevant Faith. My name is Frank. I'm with Troy again today. How are you, Troy? Hey, Frank. I'm doing good, man. I uh, am enjoying being able to podcast every week. I've just been really loving some of the conversations we have. And today we got another one that's good and I'm excited about it. So I'm doing good, man. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good too, you know. Um, Hopefully, uh, you know, things are starting to open up and hopefully we can all kind of do our do our and keep a second wave from coming and then we can kind of start going back to a little bit of normal life as normal as we can get but um yeah new normal yeah new normal (laughs) yeah um well okay troy so today we have a pretty interesting topic do you want to introduce it to our guests yeah absolutely so we're going to be talking about um the the term I, i in religious circles the term is evangelism and in layman's terms, I would say that it is the practice of sharing your faith or sharing good news in Jesus. So that's the topic for today. And I can't wait to unpack it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny in my um, story and history, uh, it's, it's I kind of have some bad um, memories about people trying to share their faith. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there were a lot of people who evangelized very aggressively (laughs) to put it nicely Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. yeah you know it wasn't until after i became a believer that i started looking back on this topic because you know jesus it's a command like jesus commands us to go and make disciples of all the nations right so um at the time i didn't really understand how important it was to the person who was trying to share their faith with me but also, at the same time, I think that some of the strategies that I've seen can kind of almost be detrimental to making disciples. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we have a, this will be very fun to talk to you about. I'm sure that you have some great wisdom to share um, about this. Yeah. So being, you know, being the person on the outside of the faith, um, it it can be a very interesting experience for somebody to. Uh, maybe th- just throw all kinds of religious material your way or speak on all kinds of topics that you're probably unfamiliar with. And for a lot of people out there, you know, and I'm sure some people in our audience, being evangelized too is an awkward and uncomfortable and almost a resentful position to be in. Um, and, you know, on the other side of the coin, if you are the person trying to share your faith, and you desperately think it's like, this is good news and I want to share it. Like, how do you do that in a way that's like upbuilding and and inspiring and possibly even like alluring? Um, I think that's the challenge. And 
so in our you know in our Im- immaturity you know we probably evangelize poorly but i think there's a way to do it we just have to think through a process uh, so we can do it well yeah and you know like I um, became a Christian, which you've kind of heard my story in a previous episode. And um, if I can be convinced by the gospel, then it's a, it's a convincing gospel, right? Like I was not mm-hmm. interested in God at all when I first was exposed to the gospel. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and you know, the thing that's interesting, too, is um, I actually have a, a article pulled up from Barna Group. So they're a... Um, like a poll group, like they, they do studies and they poll a lot of people and they're, they're Christian based and they do a lot of stuff on church and Christianity and faith. And listen to this, Troy. So Mm -hmm. almost half of millennials, so this is 47% agree at least somewhat that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. Mm. So this, this Mm. is, this is compared to over a quarter of Gen X, that's 27%, and one in five boomers, 19%, and elders, right. 20%. So they didn't do Gen Z in this study. But, you know, it's it's just interesting because in our current culture, like, so not only is there the risk of, of you know, having some intense evangelistic, like, attempts, but I think there's just so much pressure, like, not to. Right. Like everything's so Mm. relative now that sharing your faith is looked down upon, like from society big time. And so what what can we do to like overcome something like that? Yeah, well, okay, I'll I'll paint it in in two pictures for one uh, uh, from somebody who is a faith person myself. I think I can get stuck very easily playing into the passivity of culture. Because I think what postmodernistic thinking does to people is it, it gets you gun shy to assert your opinion too, too assuredly, if that makes sense, too, um, with too much certain, certainty. And, you know, it, so a reaction has been, well, OK, well, I can't really assert every, anything as absolute truth because, you know, a large chunk of intellectual people and a large chunk of like millennials you know don't believe in absolute truth and so am i gonna play that game becomes the question am i gonna play into that or if this truly matters to me am i gonna share that and then you going back to that fear i talked about then if i share it am i appearing to be the very thing that i hate (laughs) you know that's the the tricky thing it's like am i appearing to be the very thing the person that just throws knowledge and and religious talk and jargon and materials at a person who's unresponsive or doesn't want that you know it seems like a catch-22 but i really do think there is a better solution or there is a solution to this to this issue that we're that you're talking about yeah that's cool that's good to hear because and you know it's funny i think this is where apologetics can kind of come into play because you know you were talking about how um like there's relative truth claims, right? Like there's no such thing as the truth in today's culture. But the yeah. idea of saying there are no truth claims is itself a truth claim, right? right. So like if somebody comes yeah. up to you and you're a Christian and you've like kind of been trying to share your faith with them and they say something like, um, 
you know, why, why do you think that you have the truth, right? Like everybody has a little yeah. piece of the truth, which th- you can't know the truth because there is no truth, right? Mm. That statement yeah. that you can't know the truth because there is no truth is itself a truth statement. You can critique that, right? Because they're right. trying to make prove, it, that, yeah, yeah. Pr- prove that there is no truth and they can't do it. Right. And so right. Um, I think apologetics yeah. is a good way to like, kind of have these conversations um and you know when i when you know apologetics is the greek word that comes from first peter where he says uh be sure to have a defense um for the hope that is within you when people ask you and so troy this this could kind of lead into another um kind of where we're going to go with this conversation is so if peter's saying have a defense when people are interested in your life does that mean that evangelism is only like street preaching or only like going after people? Yeah, no, I don't think it's that limited. And, and let's go through the vein of understanding the etymology of the word, you know, as it's used maybe biblically, like evangelism is Greek, it's euangelion and euangelion simply means like good news. So what does it mean? Like to turn that into a verb, so go and good news people <laughs> like, you know, what yeah. I mean? go and good news people. Well, you know, at the very core of good newsing people, that isn't like about broadcasting news necessarily. It's it connotes more of the idea of go and be good news to people. And, and the proclamation is in essence, your life itself. And so when, when Paul is asking people to have a ready defense, you know, for the hope that they have, he's not asking them to exegete scripture. You know, he's asking for them to go and defend the faith that you yourself carry. You know what I mean? So it's more of like, I need to be prepared and sure of these things that I believe and I've invested my life in. And that way, when people are curious about my faith or whatever, um, I can give them a, a solid answer. And, um, there is a book, and I think you'd like this book. It's called The Patient Ferment of the Christian Church in the First Century Roman Era. I love and it, dude. I want to read it right now. <laughs> it's a really big book. It's probably more than 600 pages. Oh, the Patient Ferment. And the, the author makes this point of saying that the evangelistic strategy of the early church was patience. Like the umbrella of patience was the evangelistic strategy. It blew my mind. I was like, okay, explain that to me. And that's just because the church operated differently. First of all, they looked at things in an eternal perspective. They said, okay, if we have this gospel and it's true, it's going to outlast everything and it's going to be truer than everything else. And so we, we have eternity. God has given us that eternity. So we're not going to rush anything. Right. And so, they focused on, you know, relationships. They focused on individuals. They focused on building like these mentoring, discipling relationships one-on-one. And it went so far as to say that like anybody interested in becoming a new, a new Christian, they actually went through a really rigorous process to try to, to be included into the body where these mentors would walk with them and, and they would have to make changes and like they would have to learn lifestyle you know stuff they'd have to i don't know they'd have to they'd have to show commitment 
to the mission. Absolutely. And, you know, what I found most fascinating, they went through these things they called scrutinies. And um, after sometimes in the case of like several years, you know, they finally would be able to be baptized. And um, and then after the baptism, they started to go deep into doctrine and theology. So it was like five years of just walking beside and doing life with Christians and then baptism and then teaching and specifics. And I was, you know, I've always been baffled by that because I was like, man, that is so backwards from the way that we've done things. Um, But uh, again, they were grounded in this idea of patience where if people, if the gospel is that compelling and we believe it, people will be drawn. And as long as we lift up Christ, uh, we don't have to go preach on the street corners like Peter did, you know, at Pentecost, you know, there's only a few examples of people actually preaching on the street corners. And, you know, it, we make Jesus out to be the street preacher. And sometimes he did, but other times he preached inside people's houses. You know, he preached to a group that would gather in somebody's houses. He preached, you know, to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law at, at dinner. You know, he preached on a hillside, like he preached all over the place. He wasn't just on the street corner declaring things. He preached in the temple because he was a Jew, and that's what Jews did in the temple. They, 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 he was a rabbi, so you taught, you were expected to teach. So he wasn't like necessarily just blasting words out and hoping some would catch. You know, he, he was very methodical about where he was preaching and teaching. And so, yeah, I, I just, going back to the, the early church thing, that the idea of patience, I think it's huge. And sometimes we make blunders by rushing evangelism without relationship. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, it makes total sense. And that's that's actually my story, right? Like, I wasn't convinced by a street preacher or somebody. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I actually, uh, on YouTube, um, you know, I follow, like, a lot of Christian channels. And sometimes I get recommended channels. And one got recommended to me called Living Waters. Hmm. It's actually kind of cool, even though I may not. I think there's a place for street preaching and for like street evangelism and stuff. And this is one of those YouTube channels, but you know, this guy Mm -hmm. has some, some serious guts, right? He's at Mm. um, Huntington beach, California, uh, pre COVID. And um, he just has a camera (laughs) and a microphone and he has pretty much after watching a few videos, you kind of understand his script and uh, he kind of goes through these Mm. things. And, you know, he basically is just getting people to understand that, that, they're like sinful nature that they're not, you know, a good person and they're going to heaven. And so, mm-hmm. you know, a just God has to reckon with sin in his world. And therefore like we're condemned without Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he brings mm-hmm. it up, brings up the Jesus part. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's interesting because, when you look at when you look at that, right, like you were talking about the the Greek word mm-hmm. euangelion, right? So I actually have um, Strong's Concordance pulls up, pulled mm-hmm. up, and, and it's good. The definition is good news, but it also can be translated gospel, right? Yeah. And what's yeah. interesting is in the ancient world, the 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 word euangelion was actually used when there was like a new Caesar. So when mm-hmm. when Caesar would get like crowned or whatever they did in the Roman world, he would send messengers all over the Roman Empire. So therefore, all over the whole world, and they would proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of Rome. 
they would mm. they would proclaim the gospel of Rome and that that the king is on his throne and he has peace. And so whenever the gospel writers and Paul say, no, 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 the gospel of the kingdom is that Jesus is king, not Caesar. Mm. Right. Yeah. You yeah. could almost just equate the fact that proclaiming that Jesus is king of the world and not the president of the United States, not Caesar Augustus, not, you know, whoever go back, whatever human entity it is. It's not them. It's Jesus. Right. That yeah. that's, yeah. that's gospeling. That's the euangelion. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. um, that's cool. yeah, I think as long as, as you know, you were talking about, like, it doesn't have to be street street preaching. It's one-on-one. It's how you live your life. I think that at some point there will come ahead where people will wonder, why do you do what you do? Or yep. I do to be saved. And the answer is trust in Jesus, right? Jesus, Jesus is King. Yeah. Yeah. You know, trust him. And so um, I always like thinking of it like that yeah. because it, for me, at least it takes the pressure away from That's like, cool. go evangelize, meaning something I have to do that if I don't do, Jesus is going to be mad at me because he told me to do it. And now, you know, yeah. There's like an evangelical <laughs> tradition that like is all about that. And so I don't know what to do and it's weird and there's a lot of pressure versus just like go yeah. gospeling, right? Jesus is king of your life. It'll, it'll come up. And when yeah. people ask you, well, actually it's not, you know, the president of the United States isn't the most powerful person in the world is King Jesus. Right. And that's maybe all it takes. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm. yeah, dude. And, and to speak to that very point, so I remember, you know, years ago, I used to play at this guy's uh, house, his home game, his poker game. And um, this guy, you know, he's pretty just secular, didn't no religious background. And, and to be frank, I didn't really have any at the time either. Um, and so I knew him from this game and we kind of kept in touch through social media, through Facebook mainly over the years. And obviously I had this big conversion experience and so the content that I would put out on my Facebook was just radically different, you know, from beginning to after. And so he had kind of seen my life changing, at least from a distance, and been paying attention and would sometimes send me a Facebook message to say, hey, man, just love what's going, what's happening in your life and everything like that. And so one day, you know, he asked me, it was ironic because Ben Carson was running for president and he asked me. He's like, hey, I know you're a, you're a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, um, and Ben Carson is. What do you think about Ben Carson? And he was really into politics, this guy, John. Um, and so um, I tell him, I, you know, I don't really know a ton about Ben Carson, and I don't know, you know, a lot about how he practices his faith. You know, I can't give you a lot of information on that. Um, and so anyway, that kind of, you know, started a conversation after a long time, not start, uh, not talking to him. So anyway, the election happens. He's really frustrated at how the election pays out, plays out. And months later, he messaged me again and he says, hey, dude, I have found Jesus. And I was like, what? Seriously? That's amazing, man. I like, how did tell me the story? And he tells me, he's like, I got so frustrated at the failures of government and i i put i had put all my faith and trust in government to make this world a good place and i had been so disappointed that i i i came to the conclusion that 
Like there must be something better than this, like to put my life into. And, you know, about that time, you know, he'd ran into some Christian people, started talking to a local pastor and he's like, and I got baptized. And so anyway, like <laughs> basically he had seen Rome fall for him in his own mind, metaphorically. And Jesus was the alternative kingdom that he could trust. You know, super roundabout, cool story. But yeah, and you know what, what's yeah. cool about that story so anyway. is, um, you know, it, it, it's going to tie into what I wanted to say next because I, I feel a lot of pressure because I, I think I mentioned earlier earlier in the podcast I've never actually converted anyone, and sometimes that does bother me mm. because I wonder: Am I evangelizing wrong? Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I not sharing my faith enough? What's happening? But I keep yeah. remembering yeah. the parable of Jesus and the sower, right? He casts seed and some falls yeah. on, yeah. you know, thorny ground and some falls in the path and some the crows eat and then some falls in good soil. Right. And, and yeah. that yeah. I, I kind of get comfort in that because I, I try to let, People oh, yeah. know that I'm a Christian and maybe good or bad. You can maybe answer this, but you know, I, I let people kind of know in subtle ways, like with the language I use or how I just talk about my life or what I did on the weekend that I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm a committed Christian to where if ever they have any question or something, yeah, I can plant seeds. And like you did with your friend, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe that was a seed that you didn't mm-hmm. get to reap, but you yeah. sowed it. Right. And so I think yeah. that's, kind of where it's at it's not so much about like how many so like how many souls did you save you know um i I don't believe that that's the case but i do think that that you know you you could plant a seed and you'll never know what happens to it but who knows maybe something you did in your life in passing somebody takes with them and the accumulated you know like accumulation of christians impacting their life may lead to radical change later on and you may never know but i think that's evangelism too right yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and there's so many different ways and there's so, so much going on, you know, for a person internally um, during the process of coming to believe Jesus that we just don't see. And, you know, we're, we're visual people. So we like to see results and stuff like that. But in my experience, you know, I haven't had a ton, like a new pastor, but I, I've baptized about six or seven people and several of them were in, in the prison system. So, um, you know, although it was actually a women's prison and, and I found that the thing that, that it takes more than anything is just patience because people's lives tend to need to get to a certain place before they're willing to even think about something else. And, you know, I had so many baptism, more baptisms in the prison, mainly because those ladies that I was, you know, ministering to or whatnot, were ready. Like they were humbled enough, they were desperate enough, and they were ready for hope and and another way. And so they, you know, learned about the Bible, learned about God, and like gave their lives to to Him. Uh, and it's I just feel like in general, in millennial generation culture and just the Western world in general, um, maybe maybe the world was not ready you know, maybe it wasn't in a desperate enough state and it hasn't been. And so throughout that time, it's just a lot of seed sowing and relationship building. And I think, I think that's normal and it's okay. Uh, We don't know when God will reap. And usually he reaps 
in big droves, like bunches and droves, like, you know, a, a revival will come and like thousands of people will give their life to God. But it's all about, it's all about timing, you know, for God. So, yeah, I think there's, there's undue pressure that we put on ourselves to produce results, but you know, it's, again, it's, it was God that wooed us, not any one person in particular, usually. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, so, so so moving into the second half of this episode, um, what would you teach us at Crosspoint or whoever, um, on how to evangelize? So Troy, how do, how do, how do we evangelize? You tell me, what do, what do I got to do, man? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> good question man. okay so this, there's this guy named mark middleberg and uh he's more evangelical but um i like i liked his teaching on evangelism and i'm kind of adopted it as my own because mainly his personality type and mine are similar so in studying it he's studying all the different approaches because um, he's been in a position like us and try to figure out like you know what does the Bible say about evangelism? How can I do it well? And he came up with these six different styles of evangelism that I thought were really helpful. And he, he gave examples through the scripture. So I'll just go through his little list and then I'll, I'll share his little uh, up to date to current date uh, expressions of those, of those styles. And then maybe, you know, we can both learn how to do this better. But so the first approach that he, um, that he claims, you know, is the direct approach. There's this direct approach. This is the very typical street preacher image that we get in our mind when we think about direct evangelism. And, you know, this is epitomized by Peter, you know, preaching in Acts 2 to the church. And he's challenging. He's, if you read the, the scripture, it is not an uplifting sermon. He actually preaches very directly that the audience themselves they participated in the the execution and murder and crucifixion of Christ. And he calls them to repent and be baptized. Right. And (laughs) astoundingly 3000 people are converted. Right. So that's a very direct and challenging approach. And not everybody, you know, not everybody is skilled enough, bold enough personality is right for that. Um, but that's just and one that's, of the six. And that's, that's the next style. Um, he that YouTube channel I mentioned, Living Waters. That's what their style is: direct approach. It's very like convicting. It's it, like like you're a sinner, yeah. you're going to hell, but Jesus saved you, kind of stuff, yeah. which makes me squirm a little. Sure. Yeah, because you know, in my, in my mind, if somebody came up to me, I would be like okay, I believe you, but you don't even yeah. know me, you know? <laughs> you know, that's what my internal gut would, would feel. And that's when it's like, you don't even know me. Like, anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's not typically my style. I think there's time times for me where I am direct with people, but usually it's on a one-to-one basis for me. So uh, some people can do it and pull it off and, and they get results. Um, but that's, you know, depending on their giftedness and personality and everything like that. Um, the next style moving forward is what, what you probably appeal to, which is the intellectual style. So this is the apostle Paul, you know, in Acts chapter 17, speaking to the people in Mars Hill who are all thinkers, 
you know, he's appealing to their intellect. He's making very systematic arguments about Christ at, so as to connect people with what their brain needs to accept the reality of Christ's existence and the reality of what Christ has accomplished, right? So he's, Peter even says, you know, in writing about Paul, that some of the things Paul says are very hard to understand, right? So Paul has a brain, you know, he's trained under Gamaliel. He's really smart. And some people do better about appealing to reason, you know, like you, like Ty Gibson is very intellectual. He's very relational, but he's very intellectual. And he appeals to the intellect in other people very effectively and creates results that way. Um, so, yeah, the, the third style, um, this is probably, I'm probably a blend of multiple, but um, this is probably my favorite because it's the most interesting, but it's the testimonial, testimonial style. And it's basically telling your story. So John chapter nine, Jesus heals a blind man and the blind man goes before others who question him about what happened. And he says, I was blind and now I can see. Apart from that, I can't really explain how this happened, you know, but he believed Jesus and his power and went and shared his story. And people were impacted by that man's story. And that would be considered evangelism as well. Um, this is one of my favorite. The next ones is one of my favorite. It's, it's like what Mark Middleberg says is the interpersonal style. And so this is like what you'll find in Luke chapter five, verse 29, where Matthew, the apostle Matthew, invites people over and Jesus interacts with them. So through hospitality and friendship, Matthew is bringing people together and to Jesus. And, you know, so many people, especially at our church, Frank, are so good at this hospitality and friendship bit. And through that, people come to know there's something different about the community of faith about Jesus, about these individual people that they're curious about. Um, and then, you know, there's the invitational style. This is like John four with the woman at the well, where um, Jesus makes an invitation to her and she accepts it. And then she goes and she invites everybody else. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. And they come and they find Jesus as well. <laughs> and so uh, it, it, it can be as simple as making an invitation and get pe getting people into the right environment so that they can grow more. Um, and then the last style, this is the most probably hands-on, would be like Acts chapter 9, the lady Tabitha, who is serving people um, in ways that um, pretty much make them look for the source of her willingness to serve. So Tabitha is like a lot like Mother Teresa, where she is just revered amongst all people in the world as being this like saintly lady with an with an astounding love for other people less fortunate than herself. And that is so attractive to all types of people, especially the humanitarian types. And so those are like basically the six approaches. And so serving might look like, you know, in a time of coronavirus, like, you know, creating care packages and being generous and doing acts of, you know, serendipitous acts of kindness for individuals that may need it that have, you know, you have, you have no real relationship with them, but, but you want to help and serve and just, you know, overflow with, with that others focused service. 
an invitational approach nowadays is so different. It's so easy. Like you could send people a link to your church service or, you know, or this send podcast. them an article on some or topic. Yeah. Or this podcast or, you know, recently the Arise Discipleship School was open for free and there's so many ways to make little invites to get people into thinking about Jesus and their faith. Um, yeah, this podcast, <laughs> especially. I'm trying to <laughs> selfish plug there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's shameless, shameless plug. And then the interpersonal, you know, reaching out to people and just noticing them. Um, you know, as a pastor, I, I have connections with a lot of people. And I've noticed that certain types of people are reaching out to me more now than they did before. Um, and, you know, presently I'm, I'm speaking with a girl who's kind of in a crisis and, you know, going through a rough period in her life and being able to minister to her, you know, even though she's on the fence about her faith, uh, being able to minister to her in a time of, of need is, you know, is an amazing way to share your faith because, one of the best things you can give somebody is, you know, your attention and your ear and your heart uh, when they're going through difficult times. And, you know, Jesus did that a lot himself. Um, so uh, the next I uh, would the next like common expression, current expression of testimony would just be like sharing your faith an ongoing journey of sharing your faith. Um, you know, Caleb Isley, my friend, does this so well where he just he just shares about how God has been working in his life over the last year after over the last two years over the last like three months. It's like the ongoing story of how God is impacting your life that, you know, that has such a powerful impact on other people because it inspires them, gives them hope. And for those on the, on the outside, it shows them, you know, that there is a benefit to, to believing in Jesus um, in the everyday life. And then, you know, right now, I'm sure you've seen posts like this where COVID-19 started and all of a sudden people are asking, where's God? Where's God? God has abandoned us. See, there's no God because, look, this pandemic is sweeping the world. Um, the intellectual types, man, this is like the intellectual types time to shine. No, actually, we can work through the problem of suffering because now more than ever are we having to wrestle with it. And so let's look. Let's work this out. Let's get a theology of suffering. And, you know, let's let's find some answers together, you know, and this is a prime opportunity for that um, digitally or, you know, via text or whatever way, whatever medium works best. Uh, and then the direct use of your voice. Um, I think the I think the most uh, accessible way to, to be direct is this is a time I think in my own life and in the light of life of a lot of people where the inward junk is just more obvious because we're living at a speed slow enough to see it for what it is and so the direct kind of approach right now i think with my friendships um what i've realized is that you know if we're going to have godly change in our lives we need others to help us be accountable to the the changes we need to make and this is where i find uh, a direct approach direct evangelism and direct appeal to 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 change you know for christ or whatever is happening um in this context where it's just like you know having real honest conversations with my friends and and inviting others to speak to me in that way that's been even more valuable is giving other people permission to be direct with me and to challenge me and to to help me to grow 
Um, yeah, that's yeah. cool, man. You so, know, thank you for sharing all that. And it's funny because I wrote them all down and I'm looking at them and I can tell with my story. So testimonial approach time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so okay. I yeah. was affected by every one of these styles. So, so yeah. it wasn't like one of these styles appealed to me. It was a combination of both over time with patients, like you said. So, yeah. you know, yep. it was like yep. my family invited me into their home. I got to see how they served people mm. and how my wife served people. I got to hear the testimony of how God changed their life, which got me interested. You know, they were the mm. interpersonal style. Like they, they were my family first. I mean, I wasn't married yet, but they were like my family first before I made a commitment to Jesus. They showed me love. Yeah. Which then led to them having the intellectual discussion with me over time because of the direct approach by saying, Hey, I want you to know what we believe before you marry my daughter. My father-in-law said that. And so it's just this interesting combination of all of these together, which over time just crumbled my wall. And so you know, if people are listening out there, I don't, I don't think that, you know, these approaches, it's, it's not all or nothing. It's all together. And, yeah. um, you know, yeah. different times in life, like you yeah. said, Troy, like the intellectual approach is awesome right now. And um, <laughs> I'm going to out myself here. Sometimes I call, I'm a keyboard warrior um, on, uh, <laughs> I hate to admit it. Sometimes I get caught up in YouTube comments, but I, um, but, I, you know, <laughs> the end of the day, it's all in love because I want people to know that there are intellectual, you know, apologetics. I want them to know there's intellectual responses to, to questions people have. But but people like me are having a field day because people are asking serious questions, which needs a faithful mm-hmm. Christian response. But, I mean, all of these are appropriate at all the times. And, um, yeah, well, thank you for yeah. sharing that, man. That's awesome. Um, did did you yeah. have anything else no to problem. add about evangelism and sharing your faith, Troy? Yeah. So, you know, just like you said, everybody, you know, will experience some style of this in some way. You know, if you're a believer, you have experienced this. And I think the thing that we need to consider, though, when we're sharing our faith is timing. You know, what what is needed at this time for this type of person? Individually, it's so different from person to person, what a person needs to, you know, feel ready to make that that uh, step. Um, I remember a Bible study I was having with a young man. And, you know, in the first um, Bible study, he's like, you know, I don't really know you. Um, I'm not sure that I want to <laughs> study with you. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, you know, and Something in his comment there just made me realize that we have to do whatever we can to build relationship first so that the, the things we're teaching actually matter to the other person. And so, you know, with everything, relationships are everything. Relationship, relationship, relationship. We can't say it enough. Um, and and our, our evangelism, whatever style it is, will be so much more effective when we build relationships and when we seek to build relationships. And I think one of the things with the church um, is we, 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 if we focus too much on ourselves, we stop building relationships with people on the outside. You know, we get too 
we get too entrenched in the relationships we already have and we stop being outward focused. And so I think missionally, we have to continue to pursue relationships with people who don't share our faith, who don't share our values, who don't share our uh, ideologies, you know, and we have to like put ourselves in spaces where that those relationships can actually happen. Um, Well, there's a, there's a, I'm sure you've probably heard of it. The gospel coalition, uh, they, they create resource dev conversations around, you know, the gospel and how to share it and different topics like that. And um, I remember a conversation happening from a a Portland pastor um, from Imago Dei, um, formerly from Imago Dei. He's at a different church now. But he was just commenting on like, how do you do evangelism in an urban, secular environment? Well, and he said, you know, this is such a simple, practical advice. He said, go to the same places. You know, don't don't be so transient that you're always going to different places all the time. If you want to build relationships, you have to go to the same places and actually get to know the people in those places. So if you're a coffee drinker, it would be go to the same coffee shop at the same times and interact with the same barista, you know, like that's a way to build a relationship with somebody on the outside. Uh, If you, if you go to a different Starbucks every day, you'll never get to know anybody. You're just consuming. Right. But we have to be, I guess, a little intentional about actually putting ourselves in the spaces with the same people to build the the right relationships Uh, and then follow God's leading as they, develop you know but um yeah i think that's how it happened that that's how it happened for me you know people created a relationship with me and i liked them and i wanted to know you know (laughs) what shaped them i guess you could say and um and you know that's that's how i try to interact with other people too i never know where the relationship will go over time but if i just sow into it eventually the right questions come up i just have to be patient That's cool, man. Well, so. thank you, Troy. I feel I feel more uh, comfortable about this. You know, I'm going to go um, get a soapbox and stand in, you know, 10th and Alder and yell at everybody trying to get, get trying to get the food carts. Um, no, I'm kidding. Someone's probably really good at that. I'm <laughs> good not idea. that person. Um, so, hey, um, real quick, are there any updates with yeah. Crosspoint or uh, what's what's the word? Yeah. So there, yeah, there are some very brief uh, updates. So we have entered now phase one uh, as the state, as a state um, for a re-entry, I guess you could call it, reopening. And so phase one basically says we can have gatherings of 25 or less. And within those 25 or less gatherings, we have to make sure everything is perfectly sterile and sanitized. And we also have to make sure that people are six feet apart um, and so it's almost, it's almost impossible to actually have a, a church gathering, you know, in our se- setting at that size. So right for now, for now, things will still be online and we're gonna, we're, we're doing some creative things. Um, you know, hopefully if, if people listen to this this week and are in the area, come Father's Day, here's an announcement. Uh, we're going to do a drive-through church where there will be like, almost like, if you went to the car wash, you're going to go really slowly around the exterior of the church and there'll be people outside, you know, in little groups doing different things. Like, you know, be a little bit of music. It'll be like a church service at five miles per hour around. And as you exit, 
you'll grab like almost like takeout, like <laughs> drive through food um, and go home. So trying to do interesting things at Crosspoint to engage people and serve people and let them know we care about them. Um, that's so really, look forward to that. That's really cool, Father's Troy. I, uh, I appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a first time father, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go there and be excited about that. Um, you know, you know, it's funny. Um, yeah. Memes are on point right now. Um, I saw a meme of like, a, you know, high church priest or whatever with a squirt gun and a mask on squirting holy water in the people's cars from a distance. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, you know, oh, it's, it's getting creative, getting fun. But um, well, cool. well <laughs> yeah. everybody who's listening, um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You know, we've been growing uh, pretty well which is awesome we're excited about that um so you know feel free to subscribe it'll yeah. let you know whenever there's new episodes share it with everybody you know part of the reason we're doing this is to keep people connected to the church at any time that's comfortable for them you know yeah. there's not a set time you can listen to a podcast anytime so share it with anybody that you think would find interest or value in it um and troy yeah that's that's all i got yeah. would you be willing to uh lead us in a prayer absolutely man yeah let's pray father god we just want to thank you for giving us the chance to to sit down to to talk about what it's like uh, to share you with the world and we thank you that um lord what we're sharing isn't burdensome but it's good news it's actually life and freedom and joy and hope and a future and so we thank you that um you make you make things beautiful and, and appealing. And, and so we want to lift you up. And we pray that for all of our listeners, they're encouraged to share their faith. We pray that um, that you would become more appealing in the difficult times that we're living in. And that uh, the s- seeds that we've been sowing uh, would start to reap a harvest. Lord, give us conviction for your calling, your mission in the world in times, uh, in these times and for your people we pray in jesus name amen Amen. jesus came into the world announcing that the kingdom of god has arrived in him culture wants to have the kingdom without the king but jesus is as relevant today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow thank you for listening as we wrestle with how to live as disciples of jesus in our modern culture and to share our relevant faith god bless Mm -hmm.